0: Hello everyone, my name is E, I'm the founder of Beyond the Game TV and I'd like to welcome you to our brand new podcast called Aussie Sports Beyond the Pandemic. It's a weekly series of interviews with leaders from the Australian sport industry who all have different roles for different organizations. From marketing to broadcasting to fan engagement, we touch on all aspects of the industry and how they've been affected by the recent pandemic. But don't worry, we're not here to complain, we're here to assess the situation and discuss ideas on how to move forward. Also, I want to mention that this show wouldn't be possible without the help of Max Events. Max Events is a full-service events agency for the sports and entertainment industry that works with professional sports clubs and codes, managing the production of their match day and events nationally, covering everything from event operations through to on-field entertainment and creative services. And spoiler alert, I also work for Mike's Events, so I can tell you firsthand that it's a very cool bunch of people who are very good at what they do. So in today's episode, I have another very special guest. He's a former Socceroo and Director of Football at Adelaide United, Mr. Bruce Gite, who is here to give us an insight into the ups and downs of an A-League club during the pandemic. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with former Socceroo and Adelaide United uh, Director of Football, Bruce Jitte. How are you doing? I'm
1: good, thanks myself. So,
0: good, good. So um how's it been the last few weeks? Like I, I can tell that uh, obviously the a league's been progressing a lot uh, a lot better in the last uh, few weeks. You've got a starting date and everything. So, how are things been going at your club?
1: Yeah, it's been busy. It's been a busy period uh, the whole time actually. Um, but much fewer difficult conversations at the moment which is which is fantastic um and like you said there's some light at the end of the tunnel we've got a start date there's some certainty around broadcast for for next season so you know things are are starting to look up
0: yeah i want to pretty much talk on uh, everything that you touched on right now i'll I'll go um chronologically i guess which uh, would make more sense so if we go back to like mid-March um, when, you know, sports were starting, like the NBA shut down and and everybody's sort of thinking about, well, you know, what does that mean for, for their sport? Um, from a club's perspective, like, were you guys part of the conversation with the A-League as to what to do next? Or were you just sort of waiting on them to, to make a decision and then just react accordingly?
1: Yeah, look, uh, we were waiting for some directive from Football Federation of Australia. Um, I know the CEOs had had calls quite frequently. Um, later on, coaches started to have coaches' calls with the Football Federation relatively frequently. Um, so, yeah, we look at that time, no one knew it was going to happen. Um, no one knew if you know coronavirus was going to escalate into the levels it had done in Europe. Would we get a handle on it quickly? You know, sport and coming back. It was more about like surviving. You know? Yeah. If 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 we can't play a game till January 2021, what does that look like? Um, so as a club, you know, we had to to, to make our own uh, decisions. Every club make, makes different decisions. Everyone's in different uh, boat. Um, and yeah, we just we just waited to first and foremost, to, to get the health issue under control and then start to look at um, what it looks like. Do we finish the season? Don't we finish the season? What are the pros and cons? What's happening with the broadcast? Uh, you know, there were a lot of questions and, and actually there was a lot that was definitely out of the club's control, but even some that was out of the football federation's control. Yeah. So, you know, early on, I, I kept in touch with the players. I was talking to them as frequently as I could. Um, But the inability to give him any clarity, any answers, any certainty, um, and that I, I decided that it's probably better if I didn't call him too often to tell him that there's no update, you know, <laughs> yeah. or tell him that I don't have any more any answers. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of the process in that uh, mid mid March sort of period when everything started shutting down.
0: Yeah, and I assume, well, as a former player yourself, and also a director of football, like the player. The players were probably your, your, your biggest concern and so how well you sort of touched on it but like how how did you sort of managed it at the beginning and how did it sort of evolved to to what it is what it is now basically
1: yeah so the players coaches and, and medical staff high performance staff um certainly my main concerns um so recently being a player i felt terrible for them there was a lot of anxiety you know there was a yeah. lot of what does I this look like? I don't have any other skills. You know, it's not like I can just jump on a plane and go play football in another country. You know, the mm-hmm. whole world's melting down. Um, acutely aware of, of those sort of thoughts and, and things mm-hmm. going through the players' heads. But, you know, i got a very good relationship with, with all my staff here, all the players. Um, you know, I was very disappointed that I couldn't bring them more comfort in, in such a difficult time. Um, but you know they, they they were all okay. We're lucky we've got a, a high percentage of our players. You know I'd say up to eighty, ninety percent that are from Adelaide, have family in Adelaide. Um, so they had a lot of support, um, networks close close around them. Um, that helped us a lot. But look, there there was some that you know had to make their their own decisions in the sense that you know our coach went back to to Holland. Um, and, and subsequently resigned. Um, we had a, 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 a foreign player go, go back to Holland. Um, subsequently, mutually terminate his contract. You know, there was just too much uncertainty. You know, everyone's got a different sort of threshold for this stuff. Yeah. Um, being a foreigner is is, is difficult already, um, compounded by COVID. You know, they went back to their safe space, and, and that was back in in, in Holland. So. Um, I don't say everyone was cool, calm, and collected, and stayed on board. Um, you know, there were, there were some casualties along the way, but all in all, the overwhelming majority um, are all here and willing and able to finish the season off.
0: And and fitness-wise, was there sort of a, a plan sort of put in place for, for the players to do certain things by themselves, and then how did it how did it sort of progress from from there to like training in, in, in groups and, and as a club?
1: yeah, so we gave them individual training programs. Um, it was completely optional. It was completely up to them. Okay. Um, my constant message to all of them was it's within your best interest to to do the program. Um, of course, you don't have to do it, but you know, we will come back at some stage. And when we do come back, <laughs> you know uh, if you want to avoid injury <laughs> and and all the other consequences that come with doing nothing then you're best to, to do the training program, um, whether come back in two weeks, two months, two years. You know, you've got to keep your, your, your body in shape. So they were pretty good. Um, training isolated and alone was, was difficult, obviously, after a while. Um, but as restrictions started to ease again, you know, they, they started training um, together in little groups, all of their own accord. Um, and, and now we're back at, at training. You know, the, the first week was, um, you know, 20 people on the pitch. Um, I think on Monday we go to the in South Australia we get we go to one person per two square meter rule, not one person per four square meter rule. So it's loosening up here because because South Australia's done such a fantastic job getting a handle on on this coronavirus. So the the, the return to training and and the individual training that they've they've done over this period has actually been um, okay, they've all presented quite fit, quite well, um, and the schedule's not too bad, you know, we were thinking, you know, it could be three games a week, you know, very condensed, but it's actually not too bad, we've got five games over a four-week period, it's not much different to a normal season, so um, while there might be a risk of injury, especially if they they didn't do their individual programs, um, coming back and, and playing after only four weeks of training, I think our boys should be okay.
0: And on the um, staff sort of side of of the club, obviously you know like any other business, there was some financial impacts, especially sports businesses so for for the for Adelaide United like uh, what did that look like did, did anyone get stood down like what was the, the yeah, bit, yeah the we, had,
1: we had we had stand downs across the board and then you know especially players, staff, you know, coaches, high performance staff um, and then we also had enforced annual leave, you know, people had to take their annual leave. Um, and then JobKeeper came and then, you know, we got really good relationships with our staff here, admin and um, on the field. Um, and it was about, especially in admin, you know, you decide it yourself. Do you want to take one day annual leave and then and, and one day unpaid leave? And then, you know, you, you got the equivalent of two days JobKeeper or, how they wanted to configure that um, was up to them, but we've got no excess here. So there's not like we had some luxury items that, that we thought, you know, we've got to make that position redundant, or we had to um, cut this or trim that. Um, everyone's here, just bare essentials. Um, and, you know, so we run a lean ship, and while that's challenging at times in terms of coronavirus, you know, it, it kept us in pretty you good were prepared. stead, you know, quite resilient. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Prepare>. <laughs> You've been there before.
0: <laughs> you could call it prepared. That's <laughs> wonderful. Um the the season starts mid July, is that right? Yes. So and it's in a hub in, in New well, in New South Wales, basically?
1: Well there's there's the the idea was to have a hub, that was the base case. Um, but as things have gotten better so rapidly, um, we're now looking at the possibility of the You know, Perth will definitely stay in the hub. It'll definitely stay in the hub. Victoria's got this outbreak now, so I don't know what's going to happen there. So it's still a fluid situation. But you know, in South Australia, there's been no active cases for over four weeks. You know, so not only are we getting no new cases, like no one's has it. So um, I'd argue we don't necessarily need to go in a hub. You know, so um, I think it'll be fluid. It'll change and you know might change even once the season's underway again so we're just prepared we're nimble we're we're able to to roll with the punches but uh, where i sit now i think it's more likely that we'll be flying in, flying out as normal
0: okay oh that's good and do you think that a long break um like you just had especially you know that you were what I think six games away from the end of the yeah. the, the season. Like, do you think that it's such a long break will I have a big effect on the the quality of the of the game, like the of the football? No, I don't think it'll
1: we'll have a quality on the the game. You know, we also playing forty degrees heat normally in the summer. That Not has true. a serious effect on the game. Um, <laughs> now, now playing in winter, I think it'll be a high level of, of football course it'll be a little bit rusty maybe the first one or two rounds because Mm. you know we don't have the ability to even do the friendly games and 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 prepare that way because we've got to keep a bit of a bubble around our squad um so it might be a bit of rustiness early on which is completely understandable but um i think it's going to be an exciting end to the season the boys are you know firing and, and and ready to go so I'm, I'm interested to see how it ends. I'm interested to see uh, how the teams come out on the other side of this. You know, some were flying, going into the coronavirus pandemic that stopped the mm. season. Um, I want to see if they come out flying on the other side or if they go the other way. So um, it'll be intriguing and uh, definitely interesting to see how everyone adapts.
0: Yeah, true. And you touched on yeah, playing in the winter, which – with the new broadcast deal seems to be uh, potentially uh, an ongoing thing, especially with the Olympics, potentially in 2021. Um, so do you you sound like you, you sort of like the winter thing, having to not play in 40 degree Like, is that right? Well, I
1: like it from the standpoint that oh, I like it from a few standpoints, but certainly on the standpoint of, of cooler weather in terms of, you know, it's brutal here in summer it's brutal mm. in australia in summer at 38 40. some of these temperatures are, are really hot but there's a lot of synergies to be had in playing the game through winter as well so you know i'm 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 a fan of you know uh, i'm an advocate for trying it i'm not saying you know if we play in winter it's going to fix all our issues yeah. um, but i'm certainly a fan of for trying it and then and then see how it goes so um I think we'll move towards that. I don't know, but you know, I I'd suggest we move towards that, and at least um, give it, a, give it, a, give it a try.
0: And would it affect the preparation uh, for for next season at all? Not not only in terms of performance, but also like uh, you know, getting international players and things like that.
1: No, I don't think it affects uh, recruiting and, and things like that. If anything, it'll make recruiting a bit easier. But um, but yeah, I, you know, with with next season penciled in for December start um and a July sort of finish we're we're moving towards that I think that the big shift if we do go to winter will be when does season 2021-22 start or you know in July do you finish and then just start up again in 2022 which which is quite a big break so um I'm unsure how that's all going to work I'm unsure if it's even going to happen but um you know, I think all those cards are on the, on the table and the debates being had.
0: And with the games, well, actually now the games, w- will there be crowds allowed, do you know?
1: You can have crowds in Adelaide. I know yeah. that.
0: Is it restricted, I'm assuming? I'm assuming, it's assuming not good.
1: Yeah, there's some restrictions, but one person per two square meters um, makes actually pretty good. Um, right. Victoria, I doubt, will have any crowds.
0: Because <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering if it's going to affect, well, it's obviously going to affect the, the, the revenue at the end of the day if you can't sell as many yes. tickets. So does it affect the clubs in terms of like limiting the budget and, and, and yeah, things that, that you can do? And, and so is there some sort of a plan for that or you're sort of reassess during the off season? And-
1: no, we're assessing it now. It's, it's you know, we've got a plan for like a base case and be able to move um, up or down, depending on how it all pans out. But you know, I, I envisage uh, South Australia to continue doing uh, well with coronavirus well under control now um if we if we keep adhering to to what the premier the you know the chief medical officer um head of sa health and and you know these people are telling us then there's no reason why we can't keep it under control and with doing that that allows us to sell memberships again that allows us to get some fans back in of course there's going to be restrictions you know maybe we might have eight thousand allowed only um you know, but that's still better than zero, which is what the case was a couple of months ago. And I'd like to think in a couple of months, you know, it's even more than than what we're anticipating today. So I'm positive on that. But there's no doubt revenues have been hit. They're not going to just snap back and recover straight away. The broadcast rights gone backwards as well. So um, the dividend to the clubs is going to be less. Um, so we're definitely going to have to tighten our belts, and things are going to go backwards in terms of finances and 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 what you can spend your money on and and where you allocate your resources. That's going to be a much trickier balancing act and and, uh, very challenging. So we're not blind to that fact, but it's still a lot better than what it was a couple of months ago. And I'd like to think that it'll continue to improve as we get to the end of this year.
0: And with the fans, um, have you guys done anything sort of out of the ordinary to to try to keep that that contact with them during the break, whether it's on social media or, or any other way, really? Uh, our
1: marketing and media team have been working hard, to, both for the fans and for the, the corporate partners, um, keeping them relevant, keeping them in in front of people. You know, classic matches, classic goals. Um, Some competitions that were run a lot of things have gone online. They were online anyway But there was a much bigger emphasis on it what your Instagram showing what the Twitter showing, you know, what's Facebook? uh, Showing in terms of the Adelaide United Football Club Um, So there's there's been a I don't call it a pivot because we we was on those platforms These there's been a much more concerted effort on those platforms to bring value to the members and, and keep us relevant in front of fans Um, you know, we handed out some, uh, member packs, special gift bags that that the marketing and comms team put together. Um, and we went and hand delivered them, you know, adhering to social distancing in, in April, I think it was. Um, so we're trying to stay connected as, as best we can. You know, we did football updates. We did a a CEO update, um, whether that's via email, whether that's a video that, that we post out we did a members, uh, uh forum. Um, it was only 10 of them, you know, um, we got some feedback from them and, and the best 10 answers that, that, that we got, we invited them to the stadium to, to hear what the club's going to do and feedback from, from their side. So oh, cool. we've, we've been very active in, in with the many limitations that we're, we're under, but, um, yeah i cannot yeah i believe we've done our best in in terms of trying to keep that engagement there
0: and do you think once you know that we we go back to full capacity that the game is sort of back to quote-unquote normal what do you think will be sort of the big the biggest because i'm sure every sport will change to some degree from you know from that point on from now on so so what do you think will be the biggest change and can you think of a of a positive that, that will come out of all this for, for the future, like a positive impact on, on the game? You know, um,
1: years. I don't know what the biggest change will be. I think there'll definitely be a financial impact. That'll be for sure. Mm. Um, that's probably going to be the, the greatest impact. Things will be be even leaner. Um, the positive out of that is that, you know, the ALE clubs were losing a truckload of money year on year. This gives them an opportunity to reset to some degree and and build a more sustainable model going forward. Um, whether we do this successfully or not, you know, is, is a question still being asked. But you know, this is the perfect opportunity to do it.
0: It's true. Um, before I let you go, I can't uh, not uh, talk to you about the Women's World Cup. Um, I saw you on uh, on Q and A a few weeks back, and uh, I really liked the part where you were talking about how um, well. I'll paraphrase but um, you're basically saying how you know to change things we need people who understand the context of those things so if you want to get rid of racism you need minorities and if you want to get rid of sexism you need uh, women involved so um, from that perspective like how much of an impact do you think having the the women's World Cup uh, in Australia will have not only on women's football but Women's sport, really.
1: Oh, I think it's going to have a massive impact. I think uh, I think Australia and New Zealand, I think people generally still don't understand just how massive uh, this competition is going to be and mm. what a great success it, it has been. I mean, you know, everyone's celebrating today. You know, I, I'd, I'd, I'd thank, you know, uh, Malcolm Turnbull, Stephen Lowy, David Gallop, Mike um, Falvo, who kick-started this off. And, uh, you know, I'd equally applaud, you know, Scott Morrison, Jacinta Ardern, um, Mark Valvo is still there at FFA, James Johnson, the, the, the CEO of FFA now, and Chris Nicku, chairman of FFA and, and the FFA board, the current FFA board who brought it home. Um, a fantastic effort from, you know, from start to finish. And I remember when Sydney got the Olympics, You know and i I, I grew up in sydney so i was at the olympics i went to soccer games i went to you know track and field and i was just a little kid then and it was massive you know it was massive
0: Hmm.
1: like this is the equivalent of having about six olympics simultaneously running at the same time yeah and like the olympics you're bringing the world to australia and new zealand you know it's not um it's not one of those niche sports where, you know, 20 or 30 countries play it and, you know, it's, it's, it's a global game. Yes. But, you know, it's very limited. Uh, this is football. I think there's, there's more nations in, in, in FIFA than there is in the UN, you know? So, um, you're really bringing the world to Australia. And I think it's only in the real lead up in terms of, you know, on, on the, dawn of the, of the, of the competition. And when the competition hits that people are going to realize, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. What is going on? This is, this is huge. Um, I think, uh, it's, you know, I understand the potential of it. I think for women, girls, um, um, men and, and boys, uh, it's, it's going to inspire a whole new generation of athletes, you know, um, of leaders, and uh, it's not, you know sport transcends it's not just you know you love Sam Kerr doing backflips after she scores a goal on on the field but the the, the social impacts the economic impacts are going to be incalculable at this point um and knowing Australia's history in putting on these global events um doing it so well I've got no doubt that we're going to put on a fantastic show and you know on the back of this coronavirus era, what a boost for tourism, you know, what a boost for, yeah. for so yeah, the many. Timing, <laughs> the timing yeah, yeah, so, it looks so, like it's going to so be perfect. Many indus- yeah. So many industries that have been so badly affected, um, this is really going to help them, um, you know, get a bit of wind in their sails as well. So yeah. I think it's huge, of, of course, for women's sport, but but I think it's even broader than that. You know, we're mm. bringing a World Cup to, to Australia and New Zealand, um, in in our respect, obviously Australia, it's just going to be it's going to be unbelievable. So um, really excited about that. I think it's the best news football's had since I can remember. You know, um, so really proud of what all those who have been involved have, have done to bring the bid here. You know, I was involved here when the FIFA bid team came. To inspect all the facilities in Adelaide and and speaking to them here, they were really blown away by by what they had seen and and what they were seeing here and keenly anticipating going to to New Zealand as well to see what they got to offer there. So um, we got it done in the end and extremely, extremely happy and, and, you know, really positive on what the future looks like for the next generations and and for the current ones, you know, um, having this to look forward to
0: cool well thank you uh, thank you so much for, for, for your time and um, I guess all I can say is good luck with the the rest of the season
1: thank you thanks for having me on
0: so that's it for this episode of Aussie Sports Beyond the Pandemic I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Bruce Chite. if you did make sure you tune in next week because this time my guest will be the Australian Grand Prix General Manager of Marketing Arthur Gilliam Otherwise, thanks again to Bruce. Thanks also to Max Events for helping me putting this show together. My name is E, and I hope I earned the privilege of your time.